0: So, we always end our year-end episodes with what we're looking forward to for the next year. Uh, This year, I thought it would be fun to take a look back at what we were excited about for 2023, and whether it lived up to our hype. Um, I went back and listened to the episode, um, so these aren't verbatim quotes. I thought about doing that, but eh. (laughs) Um, Lydia, you went first last, uh, last year. Um, it was
1: probably a poor decision, but hey.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so you said that you were excited to get to catch up on stuff because you'll have a couple of weeks off because they say that you should rest for a while after having a newborn. Did that live up to the hype? <laughs>
1: Well, the newborn part definitely lived up to the hype. The catching up on stuff, not so much. And I think that I have done even worse this year than I did last year, because I think I've watched maybe like two, three things at most. Yeah. But I have almost finished Supernatural finally, so there's that.
0: Nice. So listening back on last year's episode, uh, you had mentioned that like you didn't... You couldn't come up with anything, so you basically you told us all on the fly instead of giving us your answer in advance like we normally do with like all that stuff. Was that a ruse?
1: It might have been. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I totally had that plan. I was just like, "How do I make this work when we're supposed to, you know, I'm just going to say I don't know anything and I'll just make it up and then no one will know. It'll be fine."
0: <laughs> well done. Well done. <laughs> Uh, Tabitha, you were excited for the Wayworld Children series, uh, the eighth book. Did you read it? I, was it good?
2: I did. I did read it. It was good. Um, I will say it was probably my least favorite of the series, but never fear. There's another one coming out next year. So <laughs> we'll see how that one goes.
0: And is that what you're most anticipated for 2024? No, not We'll all. get there. We'll get
2: there.
0: <laughs> Matt, you were most excited for... Across the Spider-Verse. Oh, and also getting married. Um, Did both of those things live up to your hype? They did. Very much. (laughs) Choose Um, your words (laughs) (laughs) wisely.
3: Otherwise, I'm sleeping on your couch. Um, No, it definitely did. Um, I do think that Spider-Verse was not quite as good as the first. Um, And the third will be better than the second. Um, I think part of that just had to do with the classic like cliffhanger ending. Um, As far as the wedding, it did not go initially as planned. We had to change a venue. um, But I think the venue we ended up with turned out way better for us um, as who we are. So, yes. Nice.
0: Uh, Finally, I was excited for Nightwing number 100 came out in January. Um, Did it live up to the hype initially? I would say yes. I remember really enjoying that issue. However, um, it's been almost 12 months and I have read a lot of comics since then. So like, I don't even really remember what happened in that issue. So (laughs) yeah.
3: Stuck with you. Exactly.
1: <laughs> Lived up to the hype for about ten seconds. <laughs> eh,
0: I'd say probably about ten seconds.
2: Oh, yeah.
0: You're listening to The Geek Awakens with Mitch, Matt,
2: Tabitha,
1: and Lydia.
0: Alright, so this is our year-end special. We're doing things a little bit differently this year. Um, we'll we'll get to that in a minute. <laughs> but, um, before we do any of that, we talked last week about Vault uh, teaming up with Buckle Down Brewing for uh, Barbaric Blood Red Ale. Uh, it is sold at Chicagoland Benny's. Um, coincidentally, some of us were in chicagoland uh over the weekend so we were able to find this um since we had an opportunity to pick this up um this has been in my fridge since saturday uh taunting me literally every time i open the fridge i have not tried it i poured some out for my homies uh my homies being you guys (laughs) (laughs) Uh, and we are going to try this um not live on air because we're pre-recording, but we're going to try it now. That's really good. That
2: is really I approve. That's incredibly yeah. good. Yeah,
3: that's got a real yeah. good balance for for a red. Why am I talking into the glass instead of the microphone? <laughs> <laughs> it's
0: a lot smoother than a lot of other red ales that I've had. Um, not to say that like red ales are usually bitter, but I mean like this is this is very drinkable. I am here
2: for this. It's very It
3: It is. Reds can be, reds at times can be sweet and they can be a little bit heavier. This is a real good balance. Mm-hmm.
1: I also feel like reds tend to have like kind of a pretzely aftertaste for some reason, mm-hmm. and this one does not, and I approve of that.
3: <laughs> yeah.
2: No. No, it's not giving me that dry mouth feel. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I'm here for this. Um, a, I wish that this would come a little bit further south than Chicagoland, um, or B, we're just going to have to go back to Chicagoland here in the very near future. So before we do that, though, we should probably open up the pull list. What's on our pull list this week? And we've got two books now uh, for this week. Uh, they are both out by Z2. Uh, this is part of their holiday guide that they uh, that they shared with us. So we've only got a couple days until Christmas. By the time you hear it, uh, you'll have even less time before Christmas. But if you're looking for that very very last minute gift idea, maybe one of these books. <laughs> Matt really liked that barbaric. Yep.
3: <laughs> that snuck up on me. Sorry. <laughs>
1: Is that your impression of Axe? Yeah.
3: <laughs> <laughs> I'm now drunk on the blood of the red ale.
0: So, <laughs> the first book uh, that we're going to talk about is Ibaraki and Friends. Uh, it's written by Matthew Kichi Hefe with art by Half Sumo. Uh, this picture book is Matthew's take on various Japanese legends and folk tales, including a dragon, a samurai, and more. Um, this was cute. It would pair up a picture of some type of Japanese folklore and it had like a little mini like poem or whatever that, that would match it. Uh, I thought it was cute. I thought it was definitely something, you know, definitely something you could read, um, at like bedtime or something like that.
3: Uh, Matt, what'd you think? I really enjoyed this. I love the art. Um, so nerd alert. Um, the author of this is actually the lead singer and lead guitar player for a heavy metal band called Trivium. Um, so knowing that and going into each page and seeing the poem that was written, um, and knowing who he is, I read that more as lyrics to a little song. Um, so it just, it just reiterated for me, like his ability to write poetry and lyrics for songs, um, and to convey those images, um, that were just backed up by. Like, the alternating pictures. Um, I, I love this. I thought it was great.
2: What about you? Yeah, I really enjoyed this. Uh, I thought it was super cute and also super informative. Like, I learned something, which I really like. So, thumbs up. I forgot we're not in gut reaction already. <laughs> that radio got to me, guys.
0: <laughs> so, the other book is Miles Davis and the Search for Sound. Uh, it is by Dave Chisholm. Uh, This book tells the story of legendary musician Miles Davis, covering almost every aspect of his life, good and bad. (laughs) The narration is adapted from his own words, uh, be it from his autobiography, essays, or interviews. Uh, Matt, let's start with you this
3: time. This is wonderful. Um, If you read the little opening thing at the very beginning, um, the the author uh, does make note that the art... Is done by the same guy that did um, the Charlie uh, Charlie Parker one, chasing the bird. And knowing that, you can see the art style being very similar throughout. Um, I think one of my favorite parts about that is knowing knowing that it was the same artist and seeing so many parts of this where Miles Davis and Charlie Parker interact. Um, I. I, I know a little bit about a lot of jazz trumpeters, um, and I learned a lot from what I did read of this, and I'm definitely going back to finish this. Um, I love the way it's told. The art style is just fantastic. Um, I don't know. I remember really loving that Charlie Parker one, and this is just, it, it's 100% on par with that. It's it's great.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, the, uh, the art in this book is so well done. It's... There are scenes where it kind of matches what is going on with Miles Davis internally. Um, especially, like, there's a part, like, in the in the first part where he's battling heroin. And just, like, those pages are darker. You know, they, they have more of a rough feel to them. Um, I love the idea where that this is kind of, for all intents and purposes, uh, told through his own words. Um, that is, that is really cool. It's a really, you know, really neat take, especially for, you know, a, a graphic biography, if you will. Um, yeah. And this was just, this was really informative. You know, Miles Davis, he's one of those artists that, you know, everybody knows who he is, but, you know, I don't know who he is, if that makes sense. Um, Tabitha, what about you?
2: Yeah, I'm not all the way through this yet, but I'm really enjoying it. A couple of the recent, uh graphic novels that we've got to read about musicians and bands have felt more like song centric and less autobiographical. I'm really enjoying learning something about Miles Davis that I didn't know, which is pretty much everything. And I did not read the little thing in the beginning to realize that the art artist was the same as that Charlie Parker one, but now it makes sense. And I do remember really enjoying the art of that one. So this one is on par with that as well. So yeah.
0: All right, guys, it is time for our best of 2023 and how this works um you know this is just completely you know our best you know um there are some surprising things that don't make this list um there are some surprising things that are on this list uh this is very unscientific of surprise, surprise. <laughs> um, how this worked uh basically we all came up with uh you know, a list of things that we thought were important to talk about for twenty twenty three. From there, we narrowed it down to a top ten, and then from there, we all voted. Uh, I ended up having to get not Seth to um, also vote, uh, and that was just because there was at one point uh, at least a three way tie, and I'm like, I can't have this. <laughs> so, um, so yeah, so we voted, and that's how we determined the top ten. Uh, only I know the top ten. So that's going to be fun. Um, and also, like, when when we break this out, when we kind of talk about it, uh, if you've got something else that you want to add, please, by all means, jump in. I want to hear, you know, I want to hear other people's take. Coming in at number 10, um, y'all have slept on this. I was, <laughs> I was the only person to um, have this in my top five. Uh, but it is My Adventures with Superman. Um, it's an animated series. It premiered on both Adult Swim and Max earlier this year. Uh, it's a new take on the early days of Superman. Uh, it follows Clark Kent, uh, played by Jack Quaid, who is an intern at the Daily Planet, alongside his BFF, Jimmy Olsen, uh, Ishmael uh, Saheed. uh They are also joined by senior intern Lois Lane, played by Alice Lee. Uh, lois is determined to get a huge scoop that even perry white can't ignore uh this is just it's such a fun show it's anime style um and like i said kind of earlier it's it's a new take on the superman lore they do change some things but you know the core of each of the characters you know is kept intact um which is helped by the voice cast the voice cast for this is phenomenal um jack quaid he definitely understood the assignment when it comes to portraying kal-el um season two it's in production there's no word yet on a release uh this this was definitely one of those shows especially in this streaming world where even with you know a lot of the streamers that won't release the entire season at once um and max is one of those so uh you know in a world where yeah i will probably forget between episodes two and three and then never go back (laughs) to that show That was not the case with this, uh, especially with being a cartoon. There were plenty of times when I'd be like watching it while eating breakfast before work. And I'm like, oh, wait, I'm not eight anymore. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Coming in at number nine, um, this is one that I have no idea what it's about. In fact, for the longest time, I thought it was an adaptation of uh, Josie and the Pussycats. (laughs) Uh, So, Tabitha, let's talk about Daisy Jones and the Six.
2: Well, I know what Mitch is getting for his extra Christmas present this year. It's a copy of Daisy Jones and the Sixth. And then instructions to watch the TV adaptation of Daisy Jones and the Sixth. (laughs) So Daisy Jones and the Sixth is one of my top 10 favorite books of the year it came out. And I'm blanking on what year it was. But at this point, I have now read this book three times. Um, The book is by Taylor Jenkins Reid. And it is a... Almost like an MTV what's the word i'm looking for like a
3: pop up video yeah no
2: like a like an interview style uh MTV behind the music like thank you VH1 <laughs> that's the word that's the word i was looking for um a VH1 interview of this band from the 70s that got very popular with one album and then just kind of faded into the past um daisy is one of the most interesting characters that I've ever read about in literature, and it made my top 10 this year due to the Amazon Prime show, which came out. Uh, we binged it in, like, what, two days? Yeah, like, it was it super was fast. super incredible. And also, uh, Apple Music has decided to get on board and do kind of a Spotify unwrapped thing where I found out that the album of this TV show was my number one listened to album.
3: <laughs> Wasn't even Taylor
2: Swift this year. It was a fake band, so that should be That's fine. Um, so it's based on this band from the '70s that just sold out a show at Soldier Field and then vanished. Um, Riley Keough, Sam Claflin, Suki Waterhouse, Camilla Marone—like this, the cast was incredible. The portrayals of these characters that I have now read about three times coming to life. Everyone did such a phenomenal job. The music was great, obviously, since I can't stop listening to it. (laughs) I think there's something in Daisy Jones and the six for everyone, whether you relate to loving music or you relate to trauma or you relate to just a found family group of friends. There's something there for literally everyone.
3: I'm going to second that. It was, Fantastic. I read the book prior to the show coming out because we knew the show was being released. Um, absolutely enjoyed. Absolutely loved the book. And this series is, its the series is fantastic. Um, the actors all do a fantastic job. It is, it is joy. It is passion. It is heartbreak all the time, um, but all done so well. And yeah, for being a fake band, the songs they're they're way too good and way too catchy
0: <laughs> in addition to our top 10 um we each have uh what i'm calling honorable mentions uh, i'm going to intersperse these throughout um these are choices that we personally you know uh really enjoyed about this year uh but maybe like Eh, maybe this definitely wouldn't even make the top 10 otherwise. Uh, Tabitha, I want to start with you this uh, this time. What is your honorable mention?
2: So this was something that I had voted for to be in my top 10. And by something, I mean someone. Um, <laughs> I discovered a new, f- probably top five favorite author of all time this year, um, T. Kingfisher. I have now gone through almost all of their books. (laughs) Uh, Books that have come out, I'm reading through their backlist. It's King Fisher typically writes these horror novels or novellas or fantasy or cozy fantasy or mystery, just a very well-blended scope of genres that I I have yet to come across a book that I have not loved. I am currently in the middle of... Of one of their books um, about reindeer uh, for the, you know, the holiday season. It's called The Raven and the Reindeer. Uh, Mitch recently noticed that at work I was reading A Wizard's Guide to Defensive Baking. Um, They're all very whimsical and fun. And this year has been kind of a wedding notwithstanding. That's not what I'm talking about. This year has been kind of... Up and down and a little bit all over the place for me. And I've really enjoyed finding an author that I can just fall into. Um, If you have 20 minutes to read a T. Kingfisher story, I 10 out of 10 would recommend.
0: Going back to our countdown. Uh, Coming in at number eight, um, it's the one thing that's not a movie or a television show. Um, It's an album, which is interesting but here we are matt <laughs> let's talk about foo fighters but here we are
3: um so the foo fighters took a brief hiatus over the last couple of years and um it was caused by primarily caused by the death of their drummer um taylor hawkins which was hard because he had been an original founding member of the band he'd been with them the whole time um and it all kind of came to a shock to basically the entire world, uh, you know, the rock community, everybody, um, everywhere. And so when the Foo Fighters stepped away, nobody really knew it was going to happen. Um, they came back with this album. But here we are. They have a new drummer for the tour. Um, the, all the drumming on the album was done by Dave Grohl, the lead singer. Um, but what everybody found out when this album dropped was not only was this him dealing with the death of his best friend, Taylor, the drummer, he was also dealing with the death of his mother. Um, and it was something that had been kept publicly under wraps, um, kind of until the release of this album. This album is unbelievably powerful lyrically. Um, every song you can hear Dave dealing with the loss, the grieving process, moving on, coming back to music, um, the whole journey for him. Um, and the music is just as powerful. Um, I, I, the day that this dropped, I listened to this album four straight, four times straight through. Um, it was one of my, one of my top five artists on Spotify. I think it was my third top album of the year. Um, it, it, at a time when no one knew if the foo Fighters were going to continue um not only did they come back but they came back guns blazing you know firing on all cylinders um and and, and ready to just wow the world all, all over again so
0: coming in at number seven uh was really one of the things that I was very excited for for 2023 um this absolutely lived up to my hype uh, Lydia, you're going to talk about it. Let's talk about Power Rangers once and always.
1: So this was just a good old trip down Nostalgia Lane. This 30th ugh, anniversary
2: special <laughs>
1: for Power Rangers was corny and campy and every bit as whimsical as any episode of the 90s Power Ranger mm. TV show. Um, it also had a lot of heart in it. It included Six of the original will say first and second gen Rangers, including David Yost, Walter Jones, uh, Karen Ashley, who was Aisha, the uh, second yellow Power Ranger, John Young Bosch. It also included the original voice actors for Rita Repulsa and Alpha. So lots of little cameos from people from throughout the years of Power Rangers and. I think they did a great job of kind of placing that uh, plot line, which granted is very wonky, but what Power Rangers plot isn't around um, Trini. That's her name around Trini's daughter, basically coming into her own as a Ranger and somehow managing to pull all these other Rangers from throughout time. In, I loved this as well. Like I said, it is very, very campy, but that's part of the charm of it. And I'm glad that they were able to do this. I do wish that they had been able to do it before we lost Jason David Frank, but they also did a great job of honoring both him and Yeah. and the very end of the, ep, uh, the movie. So I think they did an excellent job of making sure that everyone that has been a Power Ranger fan over the years got this nod
0: yeah um that ending that you were talking about gave me goosebumps it was i cried i'm not gonna gonna lie um i much like tabitha i don't have a heart so (laughs) i didn't cry but like it was it was very very emotional very well done uh the special as a whole uh i loved it i loved every second of it um minus one thing um and this shows my age. Um Min, that's Trini's daughter name, daughter's name, right? Yes. Okay. So there were a few points where Min was being a teenager and, mm-hmm. you know, like going against what Billy and Zach were saying. And, you know, uh, if if I were, you know, like young baby Mitch would have been like, yeah, you tell those adults. And adult Mitch is like, sit down. Bro. <laughs> <laughs> they know what they're talking about. So, um, so kind yeah, of so,
1: like like watching little mermaid. I'm 16 years old. I'm not a child anymore. Yes, you are. Sit down and shut up.
0: <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. So, yeah, I that that part I didn't like. Uh, but other than that, this was so good. It was just it was a trip down memory lane. Um yeah, I just I can't stop saying enough good things about it. Uh so I'm going to give my honorable mention for uh for 2023. Um, and my honorable mention is Radiant Black. Um, I've talked about this comic book a bazillion times, so here's a bazillion times in one. Um, the series, it's if you don't know by now, it's written by Kyle Higgins. Uh, it's the flagship of Image Comics' Massive Verse. Uh, the book follows Nathan and Marshall, who at different times have been given the powers of Radiant Black. Uh, they've teamed up with, and sometimes fought, others who have radiant powers, but they've uh, never met a challenge quite like the Catalyst War, which is going on right now. Um, this summer, Issue 25 kicked off uh, kicked off the event that this series has been leading up to since Issue 1. Uh, Nathan and Marshall must choose one person to take on the mantle of Radiant Black in the battle against the Colossals and to save the world. The issue had two covers, and depending on which cover you got, that's who kept the powers. Uh, which was kept under wraps like nobody knew that this was happening until the the comic was released Um, the event now carries on with two separate universes telling two separate stories Um, i have loved this book since the very beginning Um, the characters are fun they're relatable uh, it balances action and humor perfectly Um, plus it takes place in illinois so that's that's always you know that's always cool um, the drop that the Catalyst War had two separate rea- realities when I found that out online. It, it shocked me. Uh, I've been I don't know that I've ever been so excited to get two issues uh, or two copies of the same issue before <laughs> Um, but yeah this is this is just such a great take on you know the classic superhero um, not even the superhero story but like kind of going back to Power Rangers it Definitely has Power Rangers feel to it. Um, yeah, I just, I cannot stop saying enough stuff, good stuff about Radiant Black. Uh, moving on, uh, going to number six now. Um, Tabitha, tell us about Nimona.
2: So Nimona, the, oh my gosh, I have all the books that I read in the past and then now we're talking about the TV. Um, also, as a side note, I would like it notated somewhere in the the records that you say I don't have a heart. Every single thing I'm talking about tonight made me cry. <laughs> okay. Every single thing. Okay. Uh, I don't I cry at like real things. I cry at TV. Um, so it's based on the book Nimona, which is a graphic novel by Indy Stevenson. Um, Nimona is a sidekick to what she thinks is an evil villain, doesn't turn out to be such an evil villain. This Netflix animated movie was probably one of the best things i have watched in a very 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 long time um a knight is famed for a crime he didn't commit and namona who is an outcast in her own way uh which is a huge spoiler for the movie and the comic so i'm not going to talk about that um she helps him along the way in all the very best ways and there's a theme to all the things I'm talking about tonight. It is definitely found family. And this had probably the best found family moments. I'm going to cry thinking about it. Um, It had probably the best found family moment that I have ever read at a book or seen in a movie. Um, the movie is fairly short. It is absolutely wonderful. The animation is great. Would rec- definitely recommend everybody watching.
3: Um, So Mitch and I read Nimona for an episode of uh, Comic Sans Drinks. We talked about it then. Um, I had never read it before, and neither of us had read it at that point. Um, I was a little apprehensive going into the movie, having read the graphic novel so recently. Um, We knew that there were going to be some diversions. That's not the right word. Um, Deviations. Deviations. Oh, my God. Thank you uh deviations from that story for the the movie um and i was worried that those would take away from some of the heart of the graphic novel and it did not um i think it just reinforced those um those points because what they expanded on and what they diverted from um just i think made the whole thing better if you will um I don't know. It was it was wonderful. I will agree with Tabitha again on this that this was this was wonderful and everybody should take the hour and a half and go watch this.
0: Nice. Yeah, I I still haven't watched it. I still want to. It's still on my watch list. Same. Yeah. Remember that time when we were talking about like how we should uh just like lock ourselves away from the world for a weekend or something? Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. we should do that, guys.
2: Yeah, we should yeah, truly do that. Yeah.
0: So uh, coming in at number five, um, Tabitha, I'm sticking with you. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> um, but coming in at number five is Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny.
2: Uh, another thing that made me cry. Um. <laughs> <laughs> so as soon as they announced that a new Indiana Jones movie was coming out, uh, my tiny teenage young child heart was so excited i have loved every single iteration of indiana jones since i was probably too young to be watching indiana jones if we're honest um this installation of the indiana jones series added one of my favorite things which is fever waller bridge um (laughs) uh it also had put indiana back up against the nazis we had fantastic flashbacks we had some cgi harrison ford uh and i i had nothing almost nothing negative to say about this except for while this felt like the final indiana jones film the last five seconds of this movie has me questioning my own reality um it is a bit of a spoiler so if you don't want to be spoiled for a movie that came out a long time ago i'm sorry um but there's a moment where indiana literally hangs up his hat and he fade out and i at this point am sobbing like sobbing in the theater because he's hung up his hat and i'm like oh my god it's over he's hung up his hat and then that little shit grabs it (laughs) (laughs) and i was like i audibly went (gasps) in the theater and looked at matt and he looked at me and i'm like (laughs) still crying um this is this is wonderful it is now on disney plus Even if you just put it on for background entertainment, this is an absolutely fantastic addition to the Indiana Jones franchise. We're not going to talk about Crystal Skull ever again. Um, But I thought you loved every iteration. I still love that one, but we don't have to think about it as hard because it's not the last one anymore. (laughs) Um, The cast was great. The plot was great. The music was great. Just no complaints.
0: Lydia, let's talk about your honorable mention.
2: So I had,
1: I was trying to figure something out while we were sitting here, and all of a sudden it clicked in my brain of my honorable mention is obvious to me. So we all know that I have a very short attention span when it comes to new things with media and all that fun stuff. I came across another podcast this year, actually, called Heart Starts Pounding. This podcast is... Uh, written and hosted by uh, Kaylin Moore and it is touted as a uh, podcast of horrors, hauntings and mysteries. So she talks about all kinds of different things that are typically actual real life stories that are fairly creepy honestly and kind of does a deep dive into all these subjects uh, in every episode. There's been ghost stories there's been um, stories about um like mounds that were found that were burial sites for old civilizations and just things like that i came across it on instagram one day because i was just scrolling through reels that day and i happened to stop on hers and it caught my attention so i went to spotify of all places because we all know i hate spotify as well i only have it for our podcast um started at episode 35 and listened to every episode that she had in about two weeks. So nice. Yeah. Definitely has become a favorite and yeah, I'm glad that I found it. Nice,
0: Yeah. Um, you sold me. I am going to, I'm going to look for that. So going back to the countdown, um, Lydia, you're going to keep talking. Oh, great.
3: (laughs) Because that's gone so well for me tonight.
0: Um, Coming in at number four uh, is a movie that, for being based on a video game, was pretty damn good. Let's talk about Five Nights at Freddy's.
1: Yeah, I am honestly shocked that a video game movie made the top ten for the year for this and has made it so far up the list because, as we know, video game movies are kind of horrible. Um, So, Five Knives at Freddy's is a movie adaptation of the video games of the same name. Uh, They follow Mike Schmidt, who becomes the uh, night security guard for Freddy Fazbear's Pizzeria. Um, Realizes shortly after he begins this job that there's a little bit more going on than, you know, you would think, and the animatronics may or may not be haunted. Um... I think one of the reasons that this movie is as good as it is is that Scott Cawthon, who is the original creator of the FNAF games, both co-wrote and co-produced it. So you actually had the creator of the original source material involved with the movie. So he had kind of a say in everything as far as plot goes. They also, for the animatronics, did not use CGI. It is all actual animatronics and puppeteers that were provided and handled by the Jim Henson company um love the casting josh hutcherson does a great job as mike got matthew lillard being matthew lillard as always um it's also did a great job of pulling in lots of little bits of the lore from the video games that the longtime fans would recognize but leaving the overall story of the movie where people that have absolutely no idea what five nights of Freddy's is about an actual cohesive storyline to follow i loved it my nephew loved it which he was bugging me i don't know how long to watch this movie so i am really glad that we actually finally have a video game movie that actually kind of stood up to the test and like was good (laughs) for once
0: yeah i was surprised at how good this was and you know, I, I have no frame of reference when it comes to Five Nights at Freddy's. So they could have completely deviated from the the storyline of the game and I've been like, Yeah, okay, yeah, that's that's exactly how it happened. <laughs> um but but yeah, this was a lot of fun and as somebody who has spent plenty of time in the dark with animatronic figures, um <laughs> 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 not like that. <laughs> but um, I I know firsthand how spooky they can actually be. Um, I'm just glad that the ones that I interacted with weren't quite that spooky. Yeah. So we've got the, down to the top three already. Uh, coming in at number three is Fall of the House of Usher. Uh, few things got the buzz during spooky season than Netflix's Fall of the House of Usher. Uh, it premiered in October, and so the the series it tells the story of Roderick and Madeline Usher, uh, siblings who have built an empire out of Fortunato pharmace- Pharmaceuticals. Uh, the company is on trial for shady goings-on, and then over the course of two weeks, uh, Roderick's six children all die gruesome deaths. Um, then, wh- one of the really cool things about fall the house of usher is that it's loosely based on stories by edgar Allan poe um not seth and i started watching this uh i initially i wasn't interested in it it was kind of one of those things he wanted to watch it i was like i'll read or play on my phone or something like that um it's horror typically it's not it's not my bag that said um we're in the middle of the first episode and i'm already hooked um, it's bloody, it's gory, but the storytelling and acting—they are top notch. Um, this series—it just—it—it it grabs you and it does not let go. Uh, case in point, uh, Verna. When when I figured out just how important she was to the whole story, like I was, I was shooketh. Um, <laughs> which also, uh, I didn't even appreciate this until I was you know, doing some research for tonight, but Verna is an anagram of Raven. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Um, Yeah. This, this is just, Oh, it's so good. I just,
2: yeah. Of all the genius things Mike Flanagan has done, this is definitely his best piece of work. I will hear no criticism of anything about this show. It was incredible from the first moment to the very last. And I'm absolutely obsessed.
4: The best is Bly Manor. And no, will, it's not. I will fight you.
2: The best is not Bly Manor because I was looking to be spooked, not traumatized and cry screaming, crying, throwing up, literally throwing up because I was crying so hard at the end of Bly Manor. <laughs>
4: That's why it's so good. It's
3: because I vomited spooky. from sadness. Yes. <laughs> it's so good. It's wonderful. Bly Manor does grief horror like no one does grief horror. But Fall of the House of Usher is, is genius. Um the, the odes to all the different Edgar Allan Poe stories. Um the fact that some of those stories come back in little tidbits across all eight episodes. Um all, all done in the mockery almost if you will of of the opioid crisis that we're still going through and the giant court cases that are happening because of that um like it's
2: I feel like it's okay to call out the Sacklers for being pieces of shit.
3: I mean, I was <laughs> I was just about to mention the Sacklers. But yeah, like it, there it's very clear early on that Fortunato is is based off of the Sackler family. Um, But to be able to meld those two things the way that he did for eight episodes and not just that, but at least the first six episodes with the death of the children, Mm -hmm. it ends shockingly to the point where like, Oh shit. Okay. What's next now?
1: This, this is one of those that I didn't get around to watching, but I just have to say something real quick because I had not seen or heard like hide nor hair of anything to do with Edgar Allan Poe for I don't know how long. And I feel like this year it just like exploded again because we had this TV show. Our local theater did a production called Nightfall that was Edgar Allan Poe based. My friend who lives in New Mexico was in a show that was Edgar Allan Poe. I'm like, what is happening right now? <laughs>
0: I don't know. I was trying to come up with a Edgar Allan Poe pun. <laughs> An Edgar Edgar Allan pun. Um Nevermore.
2: <laughs> nevermore.
0: So, we're at our final honorable mention and then and that
3: goes to Matt. Um so for honorable mention, I am going to choose uh red, white and royal blue, and I have to say that slowly because I can't say that quickly at all i've tried and i just fall over every single word in that title so every you time. sound
1: like me trying to talk normally
3: oh my god it's so bad i tried because i read the book this year again the movie came out um the movie in the book are a story where the first son the president's son and the prince of england go from enemies to frenemies to lovers um, in short order. Um, (laughs) Sorry. If you look at the cover or the poster, you think you'll figure it out. I hope you'll figure it out. Um, The book and the movie both do a wonderful job um, in different ways, building their relationship. Um, It's, it's a wonderful love story it's fun to see the interaction between you know like the united states and britain as far as that goes and how they travel to try and meet each other as many times as possible um overall it's it's just a wonderful story um the only negative thing i have to say about the movie is that there is one character in the book that did not make it into the movie and i absolutely wish she had because she is snarky and spunky and fun and she would have added to the movie but i understand why she was left out as far as time crunch goes but either way read the book watch the movie well worth your time
0: going back to our countdown coming in at number two um or number 15 maybe depending on how you're counting is <laughs> doctor who uh 2023 gave us the 60th anniversary of doctor who with the return of David David Tennant, this time as the 14th Doctor, uh, the return of Catherine Tate as Donna Noble, and the debut of Shudy Gatwa as the 15th Doctor. Uh, We had three specials with the Doctor and Donna, and the first Shudy Christmas special, The Church on Ruby Road, will be here very soon, uh, depending on when you're listening to this and when I finish editing it. Maybe it's already out. I don't know. (laughs) Um, These specials, unfortunately, were not without controversy, uh, many people complained to the BBC over the inclusion of Yasmin Finney's character Rose Noble. Uh, both Yasmin and Rose are trans women. Uh, also, there are people who aren't, in, aren't on board with uh, the doctors by generation, which gave the 14 the opportunity to rehabilitate and get rid of the trauma he's held on to for centuries. Uh, personally, though, I loved it. Uh, I thought that... 14th Sonic Screwdriver was maybe a little too powerful but I loved how each episode had a distinct feel and how it seemed like the stakes were higher in each episode. Um, The guests were fantastic. Neil Patrick Harris was delightfully diabolical as the toy maker. Uh, Yasmin was great as Rose Um, and we saw the return of former companions uh, Mel uh, Kate Stewart and Wilf uh, who this was uh, Bernard Cribbins uh final performance uh while the 60th anniversary specials weren't quite a celebration of the past 60 years like the 50th anniversary was uh they were still exciting and i think that they more gave us a glimpse of what the future of the show is going to look like uh i'm so excited i you know like i don't know that i'll ever be like oh x person has ruined doctor who for me like no that's not ever going to be a thing um i'll be one of the first people to tell you that hey jody whittaker's run not as bad as you think it was um but that said these specials have me excited i can't wait for christmas i can't wait for spring 2024 um i think that the doctor's in really really good hands with shooty and so that brings us to the number one thing that for 2023 according to the geek awakens um this time also based on a game not necessarily <laughs> a video game um and also was a movie that i think was way better than it had any right to be our number one thing was dungeons and dragons honor among thieves matt take it away
3: So when you think about Dungeons and Dragons, you think about all the nerds that have played in basements and houses across the country. What you don't think about is the words that Wikipedia uses to describe this movie. Fantasy, heist, action, comedy. All of those are true. And it did every single one of those in spades wonderfully. Um The, the cast was wonderful. Chris Pine, Michelle Rodriguez leading Hugh Grant playing an absolutely fantastic bad guy. Um, this, this was action packed. It had odes to the games, the video games to the tabletop games to the old cartoon series. Um, unlike the previous Dungeons and Dragons movie. Which took itself way too seriously. Um, this iteration did not, and it played to every single one of its strengths. Um, it's it's a wonderful story. It is like Tabitha said. Um, found family was a big theme across everything this year. This is absolutely a found family story. Um, all of these characters are outcasts. They all come together to root and cheer for each other and come together to win the day. There's rumors that we may get a sequel. I don't care if it happens or not. This is such a wonderful, wonderful movie. So well done. The CGI is great. The acting is wonderful. The story is fantastic. Um, to the point where there are very few movies these days where I would put something on just as movie background noise. Um, and not get tired of it this is that movie this will be on that list for eternity um i would watch this maybe not every day but i would watch this at least once a week for the rest of my life
2: uh (laughs) speaking of things that made me cry this was another thing (laughs) that made me cry um this had like you said no right to be as absolutely stunning as it was uh We went to see this in the theater, and I just, I don't think I blinked the whole time because I was so fascinated, and there were these incredibly clever, hidden Dungeons & Dragons Easter eggs in the background through the whole thing. So the second time we watched it was at home, and I was, like, staring at the background. Like, I'm like, I'm ignoring the main characters. I'm looking for the Easter eggs, and I had the best time finding them. It felt like playing a video game.
0: Yeah, um... As someone who has never played Dungeons and Dragons, I I couldn't tell you anything. Um, All of those Easter eggs went right over my head. That is for damn sure. Um, Yeah, this movie was so much fun. Um, It was great to see... Michelle Rodriguez and something that isn't Fast and the Furious because uh, I love Michelle Rodriguez. Uh, I've been a fan of hers for a really long time, but I refuse to watch those movies. And it seems like she doesn't do anything else. So I, I don't know. Um, but but yeah, it's great to see her. Uh, it's great to see, you know, Chris Pine. You know, he's always kind of more of a serious actor, action star. And don't get me wrong. there There's plenty of action in this movie but you got to see him pull off his comedy chops and he did a great job um the rest of the supporting cast i'm blanking on their names but i mean everyone was cast perfectly this movie is just it's just so fun
1: i wish i had gotten to this so when we all lock ourselves in and watch a bunch of stuff this has to be on the list so that i can see it
0: oh absolutely all right so out with the old in with the new um now we're going to go over the top 10 things that we're most excited for. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, I do want to go around and share what we are excited for, for 2024. Uh, I'll go first for me. It's Deadpool three. Um, I've taken a bit of, b- bit of a break from Deadpool for a while over the last couple of years, but I'm, I'm really pumped for this new movie. Um, we know that Hugh Jackman is going to be back in it as Wolverine, but there's also speculation that this movie is going to bring in the rest of the mutants to the MCU. Whether or not that happens, the first two of these movies have been just so funny. So, I mean, just the the core of what Deadpool is. Um, I'm sure that this third one is going to be the same. Um, especially, you know, like with, with Ryan Reynolds at the helm. I don't... I, I say at the helm, he's not directing, but you know what I mean. <laughs> he uh, might as well
1: be most of the time.
0: Yeah. Um. But as much as he loves this character, I am sure that you know he is going to still be that character. Um, Lydia, what about you? So
1: I was trying to come up with something that I actually know is coming out next year to be excited about, and I realized that I'm still too far into this year to really care (laughs) and as previous years have you know proven i'm just excited to watch all the movies that came out this year (laughs) (laughs) because that seems to be my pattern because all the movies that i watched this year that i remember because i was trying to go through my list to like make my top 10 list this year and i realized oh i only watched like two or three things that came out this year everything that i watched that was actually new came out last year so, I'm just gonna, you know, watch all the things that I wanted to watch this year. Like, you know, Last Voyage of the Demeter and all these other movies that we've talked about tonight that I haven't seen yet that came out. So, I'm just gonna catch up and, you know, whatever comes out next year, I guess, is for 2025.
0: <laughs> Lydia's just on a year delay. It's fine.
3: <laughs> yeah, yeah, pretty much.
0: <laughs> Matt, what about you?
3: Um, So, I'm... I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna echo Mitch on this because um, I do think that while a lot of us have suffered from MCU burnout, um, I am very excited for Deadpool three. Um, Ryan Reynolds is hands down the perfect person to play that character in real life. Um, Sorry. the return of Hugh Jackman as Wolverine is something we're all i don't know i i think that like the geek universe is excited to see um you know that they're gonna do it justice but you just kind of want to know how um as a small side note because mitch already talked about deadpool 3 i'm super excited for funko coming to c2e2 yes.
0: yes my wallet not excited <laughs> My my wallet is clenching clinching its uh wallet cheeks. <laughs>
2: <laughs> nope, don't like that.
0: <laughs> Tabitha, what are you excited about for twenty twenty four? Well other than me never saying that again. Uh,
2: that is on the top of my list. Um I I'm gonna shoot myself in the foot, guys. All right. So my favorite thing or my most anticipated thing sorry for 2024 was going to be the new eric larson book that's coming out um based on fort sumter because i'm a nerd but i think in the interest of making 2024 tabitha really angry um i'm gonna go with wicked part one which comes out in november and i know it's gonna probably make me angry and i know i'm probably not gonna like it (laughs) but i have a lot of time between now In November of 2024 to get excited and mad and excited and mad. And that's some of my favorite emotions. So I'm going to go with that.
1: So we're going to go together and then we can be angry together. Yes. And then we can just rant as we leave the theater.
2: Yes. Facts. Nice. I'm still really mad they split this into two parts, if I'm being honest. I'm still
1: just mad that they uh, cast Ariana Grande as Glinda. But
2: that's on, on my laundry list of things I'm angry about. So maybe they'll pull it off. Like I said, I have a lot of time between now and then to get a lot more trailers and a lot more footage and a lot more details to either make me happy or make me angry. We'll see.
0: (laughs) Alright. It has come down. Okay. Not Seth. What are you excited about for 2024?
2: You have to have something.
4: Doctor Who. Yay. (laughs) (laughs) would you like to elaborate no (laughs) (laughs) i mean it hopefully we're gonna be back to a steady stream of doctor who um his jody unfortunately had the you know misfortune of having a series that was mostly in the pandemic or was it totally in the pandemic yeah so it got the shooting schedule all off and the reschedule off, and it also changed like the style of Doctor Who, and it was a lot all at once. And I just remember being so frustrated when they kept being like, it'll come out in autumn. And I don't know what autumn is, because I'm an American. <laughs> is that early fall? Is that late fall? When is autumn? <laughs> so the fact that we've had three, four specials?
3: Yeah. Including Christmas, four.
4: Yeah, we have four specials this year, and they've already seem to have the whole next season shot and edited and ready to go. Makes me think that we're gonna get Doctor Who on a yearly regular basis. Just like
0: your doctor visits should be on a yearly annual basis. Regular annual basis. That's it.
2: It's like yearly and annual are the same thing. (laughs) Yeah, I
0: know. All right. So, 2023 has come to a close. It is now time for everyone's favorite moment, the shame bell count. Lydia, take it away.
1: Well, first I have a question. Do we want the highest number or the lowest number first?
2: Lowest.
0: I was going to say, we all know who the highest is going to be. So, let's start at the highest and work our way down.
1: Okay. All right. So... (laughs) coming in with the highest highest, not, highest number of shames for the year <laughs> is Mitch obviously what? <laughs> with a with 49 regular shames 49 that's it 49 two festive shames three stabby shames four cri- chicken shames one <laughs> I forgot about the chicken <laughs> yep one work shame, so one that it wasn't even on the show. <laughs> yeah, so all together makes 59.
0: Didn't I have eight work shames? Or.
2: No, we, I only I let her count it just as one because it was work related. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Okay. <laughs> I was generous this year.
4: You are a generous
0: guy.
2: Thank you. <laughs>
4: There was also one cancellation from Oh show. yes, and one
2: cancellation from Tabitha.
4: I forgot that happened today.
2: So does that like trump the shame or uh no, it's just it's just something to look forward to in the future for more times that I'm gonna cancel Mitch. Gotcha. <laughs> so next
1: is Matt with a total of 13 with That's all. We got ten regular one of which was from me
3: <laughs> <laughs> Well that must have been one of the episodes when Tabitha was not with us.
1: Well it was three twenty three so dead? we can go back and look so
0: yeah. <laughs> wait, I'm sorry what was that?
1: Uh, it was on three twenty three so we can go back and figure out what episode that was and find <laughs> out. Uh, one festive shame and two chicken shames. So 13 total. Then we have Tabitha with two. Just two regular ones. That's it. We have the chief hard officer with one, which, <laughs> I'll be honest, I don't remember what that's about.
0: Uh, that was uh, Mountain Dew. <laughs> yep. Oh, okay.
1: Yeah. Um, <laughs> <then> <laughs> Hootie with one, yep. who hasn't even been on the show this year, so that's, yeah, my fault. Sorry. <laughs> Love you. Um, and then me with zero because on 1116 Tabitha took
0: away all of my shames how many did you have at that point do you remember
1: I don't remember Uh, I deleted it (laughs) (laughs) I think I had two
0: but technically you and not Seth would be tied then
1: this is true because he does not have any
4: which is surprising because there's been years where I've had at least one shame maybe like even half a shame
1: you have had a quarter of a shame in all of of the years that we have been doing this Hmm. because I I do not delete the previous years I just add on a new section to that folder and yeah in all of the years we've been doing (laughs) this which we started this in 2017 yeah you have a quarter of a shame in 2019 and that is it I feel like you had one, and then I deleted it.
0: So, whenever we have like our final episode, we should uh, go through and have like a cumulative shame count.
2: Done. I feel like twenty twenty four is going to be the year of the shame for me. So, <laughs> yeah.
0: I thought you were about to say twenty twenty four is going to be the year that we stopped.
2: <laughs> no, it's I gonna... did too. I was like, oh wow, a um...
0: <laughs> ominous, b what the fuck. <laughs>
1: I mean, she did say you're canceled, so
2: maybe she meant it literally.
0: <laughs> it's true. It's true.
2: Yeah, he actually made it home today, so
1: <laughs> I am curious now because I know that's not your highest number,
2: but let, well, maybe it is. Let's let's see. Oh, it's definitely not mine. No, highest. no. You I had don't think and, it is. you had like five infinity shames. Yeah. So. Yeah, I feel like this year is low. Yeah, it is. It's one of the
1: higher ones, but it is not the highest because. Last year you had six. Uh, let's see, you had seventy two regular shames, or seventy two total, and looks like eight of them happened on one episode, and eight of them happened on another.
0: Yeah. So yeah, I remember yeah. that. Yeah.
1: And then the year before that was the infinity. Yeah.
0: So. So you think twenty twenty four is going to be the year that you get a lot of shames, Tabitha? No,
2: I feel like it's the year I'm going to give more shames. Oh, gotcha. Be like Oprah. You I'm surprised I'm not being targeted. I mean, clearly, as Mitch said, I am a generous god. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so, and now begins my favorite time of year, where the shame bell count has now been cleared, and I'm going to end this episode before Tabitha can shame me. And well, no, because that it doesn't really. They don't start until our first episode of the year, anyway. So.
1: I can change the numbers.
4: (laughs) I mean, now that you're getting them at work, since you didn't have other work together, it it can start January 2nd, even if it isn't on the podcast.
2: You're right. To be fair, you've only gotten one work shame, and I've already been there for like three months. That's
0: true. That's true. And that one was pretty bad.
2: That one was real bad.
0: (laughs) So, um, on that note, Thanks for thanks for listening to us, guys. Uh, It's it's always a lot of fun. Uh, We can't wait to do this again in 2024. Um, Everybody say happy new
3: year! Happy Happy new
2: year! Happy new year! Happy new year!
0: That's going to do it for this episode of The Geek Awakens. If you have any questions, comments, or concerns, shoot us an email at thegeekawakenspodcast at gmail.com.
1: It would be a shame if you didn't follow us on Facebook and Instagram at thegeekawakenspodcast or on Twitter at Geek Awakens.
3: Theme music created and produced by E. Cannon Beats.
2: Our logo was designed by Shay McCain.
3: Thanks for listening. We'll catch you next time.
0: We're boldly gone.